This is NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Kia Miyaka Natis. A family tree tangled with abuse and trauma is the narrative foundation of today's book, Go Back and Get It, a memoir of race, inheritance, and intergenerational healing. Author Dionne Ford's journey to reveal and understand the struggles of her ancestors starts with a photo of her great-great-grandmother. In it, she's pictured with her enslavers, including the man who went on to impregnate her several times, resulting in six children. In the book, readers are taken on a journey to understand this troubled past in the context of Ford's own struggles with alcohol abuse and sexual trauma. She chats here with NPR's Andrew Limbong about finding healing in her family tree. Support for NPR and the following message come from the American Cancer Society. Dr. Alpa Patel leads a team that researches cancer risk factors, and she shares how her team makes an impact. We always do what we like to think of as actionable science. So the work that we do makes its way to things like nutrition and physical activity guidelines for cancer.org, where millions of people come each year to learn about how they can better prevent cancer. To learn more, go to cancer.org. Dig deep enough into your family history and you're guaranteed to find uncomfortable questions with unsatisfying answers, especially in the U.S., where the family tree for many black Americans includes white slaveholders. But journalist Dion Ford dug in anyway. Her new memoir is titled Go Back and Get It, a memoir of race, inheritance, and intergenerational healing. It opens with an old family photograph, her great-great-grandmother, Tempe Burton, sitting on the step of a porch, flanked by her daughters. Sitting in the chairs above them is the white couple who enslaved them, Elizabeth Stewart and Colonel W.R. Stewart, Ford's great-great-grandfather. Ford told me that when she discovered the picture, it was a whirlwind of emotions. Shock and amazement is what I felt. First of all, to find a picture uh, of my enslaved great-grandmother just seemed completely beyond the realm of possibility. I I sat there in my little office in shock for Mm -hmm. quite a while, trying to figure out if I was hallucinating, (laughs) if this was real, Mm -hmm. and then what to do about it. Yeah. I mean, throughout throughout the book, it it seems like it's it's Tempe who you form this deep connection with. What was it like getting to know her, trying to figure her out? It was really remarkably moving and also really empowering. I think I, in my mind, sort of only considered the aspect of her as someone who had been oppressed as a, you know, enslaved woman. But that was half of her life. Mm-hmm. And um, seeing this other aspect of her life was just so empowering to me that she uh, would go on to um, be a property owner, that she would, you know... Have agency, make decisions. Like yes, do, yeah. exactly. That she did all these things to make decisions, not just for herself, but for her children. Yeah. Uh, this book weaves in your personal recovery, right, from like alcohol abuse and coming to terms with your own sexual abuse as a child. And the sense I get from your book is that the path to healing is non-linear, right? Like you try a couple different things. You try like different forms of exercise, spirituality, therapy, and and they all work a little, right? Nothing works 100%. Um, and how did this project of looking back into your family tree factor into all of that? Mm. Yeah, I guess just this idea that if 
I could kind of tap into how someone who really is experiencing the ultimate form of oppression um, could continue, you know, and mm-hmm. could do things that totally demonstrate hope, like um, raising children, you know. It would be, I guess, a talisman for me. Hmm. So, yeah, th- this this honor to go back and explore absolutely gave me, I guess, like In- a... Inspiration to keep going, right? Inspiration, but yeah, also just like something to, like a touchstone, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you quote you Chinua quote, uh, Achebe at one point in the book, um, you say, um, or he says, uh, we do not pray to have more money, we pray for more kinsmen. And and you found some, right? I, I'm thinking in particular of a, of a cousin. You found Monique, right? Uh, can you yes. tell me a little bit about her, how you found her? Yes. Oh, my gosh. This was, like, so exciting. After working on um, finding this information for so long with my lovely family, who really is not that interested in this kind of thing, <laughs> it was just, like, uh, such a thrill to find somebody who was as obsessed about their family's history as I was. Um, I found Monique through like ancestry message boards, but also through the picture because we had both found this picture and we're trying to find information about our relatives. And once we connected, we realized that we both lived in New Jersey, less than like 40 minutes from each other. And we began meeting with one another and finding these stories of our people together. So yeah, that was a wonderful ride. Do you have the book with you? Do you have the book handy? I do. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering if you could read the opening to chapter 14. Sure. Okay. If you are going to recover the rest of your enslaved family, you will have to get a PhD in the history of their enslavers. It takes the average student 8.2 years to earn a doctorate degree, so you will need to practice persistence and patience. You will also need to forgive yourself daily. Spending this much time with people even people who are dead, even people who enslaved your ancestors, will inevitably open you to their humanity as you consider their brutality. Forgive yourself for laughing when they poke fun at each other in their letters, for your heart pangs when they lose a child to yellow fever, or your awe at the care their descendants took to preserve their 200-year-old diaries, correspondences, and hand-drawn maps of their land grants. Forgive and proceed. I was wondering, was it hard to let yourself be slightly charmed by people who enslaved your ancestors? Did you, like, catch yourself, like, becoming too enamored by them? Um, you know, I think, yeah, I guess I, I, guess I did yeah. catch myself a couple of times being you know, very sad for the losses. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with me feeling my humanity for Mm -hmm. uh, someone who's died. Um, And just catching myself ultimately was where those stories would take up space in my story in this book. That was where I had to kind of do my work of remembering, you know, what I'm trying to do and putting those other stories into their proper perspective. Mm-hmm. One story that you uncover um, is, is that of Warren Stewart Matthews, who was lynched, and it, and it kicks off this period of mourning. Do you think in some ways that a part of this project, part of your work, is creating space to sort of 
name and celebrate and mourn members of your family. Oh, absolutely. Um, Particularly someone like Warren, who was killed in such a violent way and I imagine wasn't really able to be properly mourned by his immediate loved ones. So, yeah, this is definitely a, a testimony and a, and a memorial. You, you started this project in earnest when you started a family. Have your daughters read the book? Um, that's a good question. They've read so many iterations of this book. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure they've read the final, uh-huh, of this the final, final version. Copy, yeah. But they, I should say, they've also done some of the research with me. As, oh, you put as them to kids. work, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I did put them to work, and we would kind of often couch my research trips as. Uh, family vacations. <laughs> so um, <laughs> they, they fell they, for that, huh? They, <laughs> they fell for it to a degree. After uh-huh. I think the oldest turned 13, they started insisting they on like, every trip to an archive, there should also be one to Disney. So yeah. <laughs> uh, we had to come up with some other, you yeah. know, some other ways of doing that. But um, yes, I, I mean, I couldn't ask for more supportive and loving children. Dion Ford, her new book is Go Back and Get It. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com switch. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Online. Is your child asking questions on their homework you don't feel equipped to answer? IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. One subscription gets you everything. One site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And NPR listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com NPR. Last year, over 20,000 people joined the Body Electric study to change their sedentary, screen-filled lives. And guess what? We saw amazing effects. Now you can try NPR's Body Electric Challenge yourself. Listen to updated and new episodes wherever you get your podcasts.